Thank you, Pastor Chad, for this very special opportunity to join in our virtual women's retreat. And I'm grateful for this. I would also like to take a moment to pay tribute to the faithful women of our congregation. From our female pastors, to our pastor's wives, the Sabbath school teachers each and every week, and even our church board members, lovely young women of the congregation, you are a valued part of this church family. Thank you for what you do in so many ways. Your roles as wives, mothers, teachers, daughters and sisters allow you to impact the lives of families, friends, and strangers in numerous acts of kindness. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus in so many ways. We are richer as a church family because of you, and we honor you, each of you, in a special way. May you experience Jesus' love and affirmation. God bless you. Some years ago, while I was employed by Hope Channel, I was on a routine night flight out of Washington Dulles to Amsterdam and on to Africa. My seatmate and I engaged in a conversation together and we exchanged pleasantries and very quickly moved to why I was traveling to Africa. I explained to him about Hope Channel and how we, had, we were focusing in on contextualized programming and the development of new channels around the world. We talked about the various markets that we were uh, developing channels and then he asked if he could tell me a story. He proceeded to share with me that he had been in a Middle Eastern country on a business trip. And one afternoon when he was in his hotel room, there was a very loud noise at the back of the hotel and it became louder and louder. And finally, out of curiosity, he stepped to the window, parted the curtains, and in absolute dismay and horror, he watched as a mob carried out capital punishment in its most grisly manner. He was so terrified and horrified at what he had just witnessed that he grabbed his belongings and he told me he grabbed his briefcase and headed to the airport, never again returning to that country. And then he said to me, you are in a very powerful position to influence the communication through the medium of television. Why can't you broadcast programs to the Middle East that condemn such horrific acts of violence? Well, sleep didn't come to me that night, and in my airplane seat, I contemplated what he was saying to me. Had we truly been faithful stewards of the opportunity of Hope Channel to fully experience and express the love of Jesus Christ in our ministry and in communicating messages of positive positive messages of hope and love, had we done all that we could. It used to be that key media celebrities had the eyes and ears of the masses. We could quickly think of people like Walter Cronkite, Paul Harvey, Bob Walters, just to name a few. The hugely popular sitcom of the 1950s, I Love Lucy, sold millions of televisions. Media distribution was very narrow in its focus, and the stars of radio and TV were the key communication influencers. And then came the democratization of media. 
today, mainstream media is a place where anyone can influence the important issues and discussions of the day. And with this media democratization, a phenomenon of media influencers has risen. Influencers are individuals who uh, can, can influence many people through social media or traditional media forms, promoting their brand or their product. Media influencers have huge audiences following them. A case in point is what we see with the US president, who jumps over all the media gatekeepers directly to communicate with his 87 million followers on Twitter. Influencers can also make a lot of money. We have the youngest influencer in the globe today, young Ryan Kaji, who with his YouTube channel, uh, sharing what he likes about various toys, brought his family $26 million last year. Influencers also can earn a lot of money as they promote their products. There are some today who earn a million dollars for a single post to their 100 million plus followers. This afternoon, I want to introduce you to a young woman from Brazil, 17-year-old Seventh-day Adventist Christian, who has in the last year amassed over 1.2 million followers on TikTok. The focus of all of her videos is about God and the Bible. Data shows us that women constitute the majority of media consumers. We as women, and may I say, in fact, all of us, should intentionally be high influencers for God. Specifically, God calls us to be influencers to prepare people for the most important event, the return of Jesus Christ and eternity beyond. The term influencer may be new to you, but in fact, the real reality is not. The 11 disciples turned the world upside down as they became mighty, powerful influencers. Think about it. In just one generation, the entire known world had heard about Jesus Christ. What was it that transformed the disciples from a group of bickering, highly opinionated, diverse, and position-hungry individuals to influential, focused missionaries? Initially, the disciples followed Jesus for the wrong reasons. They followed Jesus because they wanted to be part of a new government, and yes, they wanted the big salary that would come along with that. They had the privilege of walking alongside Jesus, living and breathing his ministry. But when the crisis came, they were embarrassed. They were ashamed. They were afraid. They ran, and they didn't even want to be called his followers. And then their leader was a dead corpse in a cold, rocky tomb. They did not realize the significance of Christ's death. Then came Sunday morning. For the first time in history, a dead corpse, because of the life inherent in his div divinity, came to life. And suddenly his words, I am the resurrection and life, took on an entirely new meaning. The realization and implication of Jesus' death on the cross and affirmation of heaven in the resurrection was a completely life transformational experience. 
the resurrection of Jesus was the authenticating event. The reality that individuals can have their sins forgiven, be raised to life and live forever ignited in them a holy energy to go, to preach, and to teach and make disciples. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Here Dr. Luke records Peter and John being thrown into jail for teaching and proclaiming their faith in Jesus. So think about it. Just weeks before, these same apostles were scared to death. They were terrified to go before the Sanhedrin. There's no way that they would ever be brought before the highest nation of the earth, of the, of the then known world. They were terrified for that. They were petrified. But now transformed by the gospel, they were powerfully preaching the message. And by the way, they were pretty successful in their preaching because the Bible records that over 5,000 men were added to the believers. So the apostles are called before the Sanhedrin and they're asked by what power and name do they preach and teach? And Peter responds with a commanding testimony and he boldly dares to remind the church leaders that they were the ones that crucified Jesus. Let's pick up the story here in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, backing up to verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, Peter said. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And carrying on, they asked Peter and John not to speak any more of these things. So when the Sanhedrin had demanded that they stop preaching and teaching, in verse 20, we hear Peter and John saying, For we cannot help speak about what we have seen and heard. So what was it about the life and death, and specifically the resurrection of Jesus, that transformed these disciples? Jesus Christ was the only person in human history that conquered death. Of the three great Abrahamic world religions, the Islamic faith believes that Jesus never died. Judaism believed that Jesus never resurrected. And Christianity believes that Jesus lived, Jesus died, and he rose again. The differentiating characteristic of Christianity was that Jesus Christ conquered death. Let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul brilliantly articulates the importance of this reality here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to pick it up in verses 12 and 13. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Carrying on through verses 16 and 17. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. The resurrection of Jesus Christ meant eternal life. And that eternal life was now possible through Jesus Christ. 
Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This reality shifted the values of the disciples. Of what value would earthly things be when you had heaven and eternity to live for? This reality gave them 100% commitment, 100% sacrifice, and 100% focus. The resurrection not only meant that there was eternal life, but there was a judgment. Acts chapter 17 says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. God has appointed Jesus Christ as judge and affirmed this by his resurrection. There will be final justice in this world, for this world. Because of Satan's lives and the domination that he has as prince of this world, there is so much injustice. Millions die in unjust circumstances. All around us we see injustice and our human hearts cry out for justice. In Jesus Christ, there is a judgment and there is justice. In our society today, atheism is becoming increasingly popular. Atheism believes there is no afterlife. Atheism believes there is no problem to the answer of injustice. But the resurrection assures us there will be justice. And then finally, the resurrection assured the disciples that they could have a personal relationship with God. Jesus Christ, what a terrific friend they had in him. Jesus was not just a human, good human philosopher sitting on a mountaintop somewhere or a corpse lying in a grave. No, Jesus had said, greater love hath no man than this, that they lay down his life for his friends. In the words of Pastor Drew Hunter in DesiringGod.com, he says, Friendship is in the deepest heart of Christ, and it's at the very center of the gospel. The cross proved Jesus' friendship. Not only is he a cosmic ruler, but our closest friend. The disciples were dynamically transformed through the reality of the resurrection, the promise of eternal life, a judgment to come, an everlasting friendship with their friend, Jesus. So what difference did this transformational experience make in the communication of the disciples? Now bear in mind that many in Jesus' time had heard and they knew about him. Perhaps some had even experienced his miracles. The Bible records that Jesus revealed himself in a glorified form for 40 days after the resurrection. And in one time, 500 people saw him. The Bible says that some believed, but some doubted. The significance of Christ's death and resurrection made absolutely no difference to those who doubted and rejected his claims. We are all free to have our own choice. And Jesus' life and death and resurrection certainly made no difference to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. Many doubters continued to, to go to the Sabbath, go to the temple on the Sabbath. They brought their offerings. They ate the right foods. 
but they totally missed out on experiencing the transformational power of Jesus' love in their lives. I would like to suggest that there are four key factors that make a difference. Each of these key elements are foundational for us today as we seek to communicate God's love to others. First of all, the Bible tells us the disciples had been with Jesus and had a story to tell. If you've been with Jesus, you have a story to tell. The famous Christian professor of mathematics of Oxford University in England, Dr. John Lennox, in his lecture, What Can I Say, says, and I quote, In this contemporary world where story plays such an increasing role in ordinary life and commercial life, we have a big story. We are called upon to speak of Jesus, called upon to witness to the world, both by how we live and by what we say. Both things belong together because we will not be credible if we don't model in our lives what we believe. Jesus had forgiven their sins. Jesus had called them to go. And Jesus had given them a testimony to live and to share. Dynamic transformational communication happens when we have a personal experience with Jesus and intentionally change our lives to match the reality of the resurrection. We know our story. We can share that story, perhaps in a shortened, quick version, or maybe in a longer version with more details. But it is our story. It is a story of how Jesus has impacted our life. No one else can tell our story. It is ours to share and to experience and to witness to others. Number two. The disciples had been with Jesus and were anointed with power and courage. Remember, Jesus' promise, Acts chapter 1, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After the ascension and subsequent installment of Jesus back into the realms of heavenly glory, Jesus did not forget his earthly team. The disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit and they were on fire for God. They took a giant leap out of their comfort zone and they were confident and courageous in telling their story with power and conviction. Make no mistake, just because we don't have a dramatic Damascus Road experience as Paul did, doesn't mean that we can't be on fire for Jesus. When we step out of our comfort zone, howbeit small that may be, and timid, but with faith, we experience the energy of the Holy Spirit to do what we are called to do. You know, I love the holy boldness and the dynamism of the early church. To me, it's amazing how they were just so transformed. And it's been a tremendous source of inspiration to me in the book, Acts of the Apostles, a favorite author says this, Those who are working for Christ today may reveal the same distinguishing excellencies revealed by those who in apostolic age proclaimed the gospel. God is just as ready to give power to his servants today as he was to give power to Paul and Apollos, to Silas and Timothy, to Peter, 
James and John. That power is just as much available to us today. Dynamic transformational communication moves us out of our comfort zone and gives us a heaven-inspired boldness. Praise Jesus. The disciples had been with Jesus and were guided by the Holy Spirit. Remember Philip with his divinely appointed encounter with the eunuch, who he was able to explain the, the passages of Scripture and the Bible truths. Luke records Paul as being compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. It was dangerous for Paul to return to Jerusalem, but he was willing to go because he was following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Being tuned into that still small voice that's there, you begin to recognize it and you know if you don't follow it, what happens? Things don't turn out as they could have been. And if you do follow it, you are following in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The same power can be given to you as was given to the disciples of old. Recently, I had an amazing encounter with a, a lady that I uh, became acquainted with about 20 years ago. She had, she had moved then from Korea to Canada. She had two small children, was in the midst of a divorce, and she needed help. We loved her and we enjoyed her fellowship and her friendship. We helped her out and eventually she asked for Bible studies and we baptized her. With our moves out here to Maryland and our incredible amount of travel around the world, I lost contact with her and many times wondered where she was, how was she doing, what had happened with her and we prayed for her. And then just a couple months ago, I was on my way to a city that's nearby where we are living in Canada. It's a bigger city and I had very short time schedule and I had four stops to make. And in my mind, I had planned out my um, itinerary, knew where I was gonna stop. And while I was in route, I just felt really impressed that no, I needed to go to this store, this place first. So I pulled into the parking lot. I parked my vehicle in this large lot at the grocery store and I was walking down the aisle toward the store and there was a lady pushing a grocery cart and she was calling out my name, Candace, Candace. And I honestly didn't recognize her at the moment. And to be quite honest, I don't even know how she recognized me because I had my dark glasses on and a baseball hat. And here she was coming toward me and she said, Candace. And then I realized it was this beautiful Korean friend. That was a God moment. I couldn't have been anywhere else in that city, but I was parked in the very same aisle where her vehicle was parked and she recognized me. God has brought us back together. We have shared many wonderful times of fellowship. And recently she asked me again to pray with her and to study the Bible. I'm so thrilled. Following that little still small voice is part of experiencing transformational communication. Number four. The disciples had been with Jesus and had a clear message of truth and hope. Marketing and media experts tell us that content is king and selling a vision is as important as selling the product itself. And from Forbes uh, Women's Magazine, one of the best ways to incorporate a vision into your branding is with personal, personalized and reliable content. Part of catering to the preferences among consumers is cultivating a brand story that you can identify with. You need to know your product. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
And in this world of so much chaos, so much pain and suffering, we as Adventist Christians have a tremendous message of hope. And the biggest story of hope is found in the final book of the Bible. Revelation reveals the biggest win of all time. It's powerful. It's simple. Jesus wins and Satan loses. Jesus wins and Satan loses. Hallelujah. Dynamic transformational communication has a laser sharp focus on the reality of the great controversy, the nearness of Jesus' return, and, the, and a call to people to believe and prepare for his return. Have you been with Jesus? Can it be said of you that you've experienced that transformational experience as the disciples had? The reality, how has the reality of the resurrection dynamically changed and transformed your life? And just as in Jesus' time, there were observers unchanged by the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, tragically the same can happen today. The fact that Jesus is alive can be ignored and the spiritual implications of his return can make no impact in our lives. In fact, we can be Sabbath-keeping, tithe-paying, mission-giving, vegan-eating, 10,000-a-step-a-day champions. But the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ makes absolutely no change in our daily lives. There's no change in our values, no change in our goals, no change in how we choose to use our resources, talents, and gifts. So have you thought about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means to you to your family, to your profession, to the use of your time and talents. The theme of this virtual women's retreat is in unlocking our communication for positive change. Each one of us can do and say something that can make a difference, something that can be positive. Could be an encouraging wo word, a note, a quick little text, a prayer for somebody. Well, virtual hugs, I guess, is the norm now. <laughs> Whatever it is, a listening ear, that phone call, maybe it's a casserole to drop off at the door of someone's house. The potential list is endless. But in the context of our spiritual gifts, Jesus calls us to be active. In Galatians, Paul says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. We can use our talents, time, and energy to make a positive difference in the lives of others. But the point is to do. Communication for positive change only happens as we take action. We need to commit to be active in doing something to make a difference. So I submit to you that dynamic transformational communication comes when one has been with Jesus and experienced that transformational power of God in our lives. And our lives are changed to be in harmony with the values and priorities of heaven. 
Being with Jesus is as effective as only I understand and accept the significance of his life and love for my life. Being with Jesus is effective only as I intellectually and spiritually make changes in my life to bring myself in harmony with the calling for my life. Being with Jesus is effective only when things of eternal consequences shape my decisions and values. Being with Jesus is effective only as I engage in action now. Our world is getting more and more chaotic. 2020 has been a year unprecedented in history. We've seen a pandemic, massive wildfires, huge storms, civil unrest, violence, and racial injustice. The intensity of evil, of pain and suffering is being notched up exponentially. The groanings of our sinful world are becoming louder. The footprints of the evil one are becoming larger. And if there was ever a time when people needed hope, it is now. Have you ever been out in a countryside on a dark night? when there is no light pollution and you look up into the sky and what do you see? The brightness of the stars. But you don't see those stars if you're just gazing down at the earth. And I would like to say that the darker this world becomes, the brighter the stars of Christ's followers should shine. And it may seem that this earth has been nearly suffocated with the evil pain and suffering. But we need to lift our eyes to heaven and take our focus off the earth for our redemption draweth nigh. And everywhere we turn, the attacks on Christianity are becoming more blatant and vile. We know from Bible prophecy that the worst is still ahead of us. It may seem like the evil and the workings of Satan are winning this tumultuous race of life. But I submit to you, do not be discouraged. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Several years ago, I found a tremendous statement that's been such a source of encouragement to me in a little book entitled Trials to Triumph. Ellen Wright writes, In comparison with the billions of the world, God's people will be a little flock but God will be their refuge. When the sound of the last trump shall penetrate the prison house of the dead and the righteous shall come forth, standing then with the loyal and true of all ages, the children of God will be far in the majority. Oh, praise God for that. We are on a winning team with Jesus as our captain. And I encourage you to stop and to think through what the resurrection of Christ means to you. I invite you to make a sincere and dedicated decision to experience dynamic transformational communication as you actively share Jesus' love to those whom he brings in contact with you.